Good morning, New Community Church. How are you guys? You guys doing good? Are y'all awake? Hey, we're going to have a great service. I'm so excited to be here with you guys and be able to share with you guys this morning. You're getting a double dose of Aaron's today. Aaron is Camilla and Aaron Castellanos is my name. I'm the associate student pastor here at New Community Church. And uh, I've been so pumped about speaking to you guys uh, this week. And uh, we've been going through a message or a series called Respond, right? And Pastor Aaron started uh, talking about the different commands that Jesus gives us that are sometimes very hard to follow. We're sometimes commands that Jesus brings to the table that we don't truly grasp and understand what it is that he was saying. And so when he started off, he started talking about follow me. And he, he talked about the cost of being a disciple, right? What it meant back in those days for a rabbi to say to someone, follow me. It was a sacrificial decision that someone had to make to be able to leave their old life behind and say, I'm going to stay close to this person right here because I trust that they're guiding me and they're leading me in the right direction. And then we went into making disciples last week, right? We talked about opening up our lives and allowing people to come alongside of us that we can raise them in maturity in Christ, right? That we're not called just to lead people to the cross, but we're called to disciple them and to lead them throughout their walk and their journey with Jesus. And today, we're talking about loving our enemies. Let's pray because we're going to need some prayer. I promise you that. God, we just thank you this morning, Lord, for everything that you're going to do, God. God, all of these commands, God, as difficult as they may be at times, Lord, they're with one purpose in mind is that you want to see your children free, God. God, you want to see chains broken. God, you want us to be walking in freedom, God, for there to be healing in, in areas that have been wounded, God. So I pray today, God, that you speak to us, God. Speak to us with your truth, God, and set us free. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. I just want to give you guys kind of a side note. As you can hear, my voice is a little bit uh, uh, struggling this morning. It's allergies, okay? I went to the doctor. They checked me out. No strep, none of that. The pollen is really high right now is what I hear. So if I go into a cough attack, the media team knows to shut the lights off, and a clip of one of Aaron's sermons is going to go up, and I'm just going to go to the back, okay? I'm just joking with you guys. That's not going to happen. So... I'm a parent of four, and one of the things that I've understood about parenting is I start seeing a lot of the things that I did as a kid in my kids now. You ever been there? You're like, man, I did that. And one of the things that drives me crazy is when we buy our kids cupcakes, and they're all excited about it, right? They get a cupcake, and what's the part that they're going to eat? The icing. They eat the icing, and they leave the bread behind, right? And we feel guilty as parents saying things like, you're not going to waste food. So we may be stuffed, but we'll eat their bread just because it's food being wasted, right? For me, it wasn't cupcakes. For me growing up, it was fried chicken. And my parents are in the room today. Shout out to my mom. It's her birthday today. And my oldest daughter's birthday, too. They share the same birthday. But for me, it was fried chicken. And so what I would do whenever my parents would buy fried chicken is I would eat the skin, and I would leave the chicken and the bone behind. And it drove them crazy. They would say, why do you eat that? I say, I only want to eat the shirt of the chicken. That's what I would call it. It's the chicken shirt. <laughs> and they're like, no, you're leaving everything behind that has the, the healthy stuff, which I don't know how healthy fried chicken can be. She was like, don't you want to be strong? And it would frustrate them so much because all I wanted to do is just eat the part that I wanted. And as we've been going through this series, I'm realizing that many times in our walk with Christ, we do the same thing is we open up the Bible and we only want to take the parts that we want and leave the other stuff behind. Because the parts that God says, I'm asking you to do this, are the things that are going to bring growth, are the things that are going to be strength in your life, are the things that are going to bring maturity in your walk with Jesus. But we say, God, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to pick and pull here. And that's not what he's calling us to do. 
Look at this. Jesus doesn't call us to only obey what comes easy. He calls us to obey what's going to reflect him the most and what will bring the most freedom in our life. That's what he calls us to do. I love what Bob Goff says. He says, it's easy to agree with what Jesus said. What's hard is actually doing what Jesus did. We can all agree. Oh, that's good. Amen to that. Love my enemies, blah, blah. But are we actually doing it? It's a different story. Matthew 5.43 is where I'm going to spend most of my time this morning. Matthew 5.43-44. And if you don't have a Bible, there's one in the seat in front of you. You can grab that. If you don't have a Bible, that's our gift to you. Take it with you. But Matthew 5.43-44, this is what it says. It says, you have heard it said, you have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. There's not a lot of amens there, right? Easier said than done. See, I want to give you some context. When Jesus was sharing this, he was talking to Jewish teachers. And what Jewish teachers understood their neighbor to be were people who were of their own country, of their own nation, of their own religion, people whom they were pleased to call their friends. Let me translate that. What basically these Jewish teachers were doing is they were saying, I'll love and I'll hang out with people that look like me, that talk like me, that act like me, that think like me, that believe like me, that dress like me. And unfortunately, it's sad to say, but we see that a lot in our lives, right? We gravitate towards the people that are most like us. Even in our country, we see division in all different types of areas because of this sinful thinking that we have sometimes. And Jesus is calling us to a higher standard. I love what Pastor Aaron said last week. He said, we've, tr we've traded the Bible for an American version of Christianity. Man, somebody say, ouch. You know what that means? To me, what I took that is that just because our country was founded on biblical principles doesn't mean it's always guided by biblical principles. And we have to be very careful to go and say, God, how would you handle this situation? What does Jesus say about this particular situation? Now, I'm going to get real with y'all this morning. Is that okay? Because that's how I like to be talked to. So first point, if you're taking notes, Jesus says, you have heard it said, but I tell you. You have heard it said, but I tell you. What Jesus was implying here is this is how you grew up. This is what you grew up believing. This is what you grew up being told. But this is what I'm calling you to do. And if you're taking notes, my first point is Jesus came to challenge our belief systems. Now, what are our belief systems? Our belief systems are the way that we view the world based on how we grew up how we saw our parents emulate life, maybe the neighborhood that we grew up, maybe the culture that we grew up. So along the way, we've gathered these things and we've created a belief system. We view people, we view life, we view world, the world based on this belief system that we've gathered along our years of life here. Things like injustice, racism, sexism, these are all a result of sinful belief systems that we either grew up with or we picked up along the way. And if we're honest, if we're truly honest, we all have belief systems that are sinful. I'm telling you, when I was putting this message together, man, God was convicting me on some stuff. He was bringing up some stuff, and I was just like, man, this is uncomfortable. But I knew what God was doing, is he has to make me uncomfortable in order to put me in the place that he wants me to be. Can I ask you a question? And I want you to be honest with me this morning. What were you taught about a specific race growing up? What were you taught about white people growing up? from my non-white people. What did you hear about white people? Don't trust them, they're just gonna take advantage of you. Let me ask you this, what were you taught about black people? 
black people, oh, you know, you, you can't trust them because this is what they're going to do, blah, blah, blah. What were you taught about Hispanic people? I'm getting real with you guys this morning, but this is the kind of stuff we need to talk here in the church. Because if we don't have a biblical view of people, it will continue to affect us and division will continue to happen, not only in the church, but in our country. What Jesus was saying in this verse is he was saying, this is how you grew up, but this is what I'm calling you to do. Women, what were you taught about men? Oh, now we're really getting into some stuff. Don't let a man talk to you like however. You always take your position. Don't ever serve him. Men, what were you taught about women? They're not equal to you, so don't let them succeed. You keep her down. Don't make her look, make you look bad. We're getting real this morning. And I hesitated. I called like four people and I said, should I get this specific? And they're like, speak what God is telling you to do. You don't understand. They may not like me after this. They're like, it doesn't matter because this is what's going to set people free. But we all have belief systems that we've grown up with that are sinful, that are not biblical. Why? Because this is what we saw growing up. So we see racism all over the place in different areas, and we think it's okay because that's what our country does sometimes. And God says, you know what? That's not me. That's not me. I love our church so much because we're so diverse. I had a conversation with a youth pastor the other day, and he asked me, he said, who are you mostly ministering to? And I mean like race. He was really being honest. He wasn't being racist in any way. I said, I don't know, man. We've got everything. We've got black people, we've got white people, we've got Asian people, we've got Nigerian people, we've got African people. I think we've got some Middle Eastern. If we don't, we need to get them in here, you know what I mean? But guys, yes, give it up. That's our church. That's how God wants things to look. <laughs> Write this down. When we surrender our life to Jesus, we surrender our right to do life our way, and we now submit under his authority. It's not about the way I want to do things or the way my parents did it. It's about the way that Jesus wants me to do it. And that's why it's so important to look in the Bible and say, God, how would you handle this situation here? Jesus continues and he says, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Let's be honest. The last thing I want to do for somebody who hurts me is to pray for them. And that word enemy translated as someone who's been hostile towards you, who has shown hatred. Because most of the time, what do we think? They don't deserve my prayer. What they really deserve is to catch these hands, right? That's what we want to say. But he says, no, I've called you to love your enemy and to pray for those who persecute you. My next point is this. More is expected from us as followers of Christ. More is expected of us as followers of Christ. And when you talk about this whole loving your enemy thing, there's two types of love that involve the same general feeling of wanting to do good towards other people. There's two types of love. Number one, the love of complacency. This is the love that says, I will love those whose conduct I approve of. How many would say amen? That's been me a lot. And the next one is the love of benevolence. I will love and wish well upon people even if I don't approve of their conduct. That's what we're called to do right there. See, I may not agree with your lifestyle, what you've done, how you believe, but that does not give me the right to withhold love from you, to treat you bad. I am called to love you, and I'm called to bless you. And by the way, that word bless you means to speak well of. So it's not a matter of just treating people right. What are you saying about a certain group of people when you're not in their presence? What are we saying about people? Again, I'm going to be real with you, but how do we talk about the LGBT community? What kind of things come out of our mouths when we talk about them? What kind of things come out of our mouths when we talk about different cultures and different countries in different places? 
It's not about just doing it. It's about what do we do when they're not in our presence? God is calling us to that higher standard as a church to say, I'm calling you for more. Look at what Ephesians 4.15 says. It says, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. Rather speaking truth in love. Church, it's not truth or love, it's truth in love. Did y'all get that? It's not truth or love, it's truth in love. I can still love someone even though I may not agree with the way they're living. And truly love them and truly serve them. Amen? Let's continue. Matthew 5, 45, it says, That you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. That you may be children of your Father. That you may be children of your Father. You know what that's translated as in the Greek? It means sons of your father. Now, the word son has a lot of different meanings in the Bible. It can mean disciple. It can mean imitator. It can mean adopted. But here specifically, listen to this. Here it is applied to mean that when we love those who we do not agree, that's when we resemble our father the most. When we love those who we do not agree, that's when we resemble our father the most. You want to look like God? Love the people that you don't agree with. Because that's exactly what he does. God doesn't always agree with our life, right? We've got some areas. We've made some mistakes. Some of you are like, man, I was cussing somebody out before I came to church. God don't agree with that, but it doesn't stop him from loving you. And in the same way, it should not stop us from loving somebody just because we don't agree with their lifestyle. We don't agree with the way they are or how they behave. This is what changed my life, God, honestly. It's understanding this, that God does not love us because of how put together our life is. He loves us because we are his children. And let's get that in our heads. Even when I was preparing to speak, God had to remind me and say, I'm not using you because of how put together your life is. I'm using you because if you bring your heart to me and you ask me to use you, I will use you. And I'm so thankful that the Bible shows examples of people that have messed up. Imagine if the Bible were a book of just a bunch of perfect people. None of us would read it. We already don't read it. We would much less not read it then. But I'm so thankful that I can open up the Bible and read the story of David, right, who committed adultery, to read the story of Jacob, who lied and deceived pretty much his whole life. And countless examples of people in the Bible. Why? Because God is showing you, I don't love you based on how put together your life is. I love you because you are my child. And that's what I base it off of. What our world needs are not more people who can merely quote scripture, guys, but people who allow scripture to come alive. It's good to tell people what the Bible says. It's another thing for us to show the people what the Bible says. And that's what God is calling us to do. It says, if you love those who love you, verse 46, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Write this down. We don't stand out by doing what everyone else does. We stand out by doing what's difficult with God's help. We don't stand out by doing what, every, what everyone else does. We stand out by doing what's difficult with God's help. You look at Jesus when he walked this earth. He didn't come and say, I'm only going to hang out with the religious leaders. What, who did he go to? To the people who were rejected. To the people that society wanted nothing to do with. That's who he hung out with. 
And constantly I'm reminded, am I living in such a way that if people were to look at my life, they would say, I can see Jesus in him. I haven't always been perfect, but my goal, my desire daily is that I be transformed to look more like Christ. One of the things that I've understood as it comes to forgiveness and loving our enemies is that nothing can separate us from God's love, but there are things that can block us from receiving from God. Do y'all understand that? Nothing can separate you from God's love, but there are things that can stop us and block us from receiving from God. And one day I walked into a worship night that Pastor Jason and the worship team was doing, and I'm like, man, this is going to be good. God's going to do amazing things. Speak, Lord. Music starts playing. I raise my hands, and God says, we need to deal with some things. I'm like, okay, cool. I mean, I think I've already asked forgiveness for everything, so what else could we deal with? There's a particular person in, in me and Debbie's life who's very, very close to us and has been just very, very harsh towards me since the moment I met this person. And this is years and years ago. And I never knew why. And one day, we're on the phone. He calls me regarding some topic, and his tone was just not the kind of tone I needed to hear that day. I was not praying for my enemies that day. I was wanting to throw hands. You know what I mean? I was having a weak moment. And I just said, man, I don't know what I've done to you, but I don't deserve this. You can't talk to me like that. Don't ever call me again. And I hung up. My wife was in the other room. She runs in and she's like, what happened? And I was like, Pedro was talking to me this way. And I'm changing his name so y'all don't know who it is. <laughs> Pedro was talking to me in this way and this and that. And I said, you know what? If he's there, wherever he is, I won't be there. I don't care if it's a, if it's a family function. I will not be there. And I could tell that it broke her heart. And so family functions came, holidays, birthdays, and I would say, nope, I'm not going. I'm not going. And I knew it wasn't right because why God caused me to love, he's not my enemy, but God caused me to love people who are hostile towards me. And so worship night starts, I'm raising my hands and God says, I want to speak to you. I want to do something great in your life tonight, but there's something that's getting in the way, unforgiveness. Okay, God, I'll deal with it after this. No, I need you to deal with it now. Right now? Right now. I literally felt the, 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 the presence of God just say, get out of your seat, go call this person and ask for forgiveness. So I'm walking, my heart is beating, right? I get on the phone, the phone is ringing. I'm like, please let it go to voicemail so I can say, I forgive you in the name of Jesus, bye. <laughs> that didn't happen. Pedro picks up and I'm like, hey, how's it, how's, it, how's, it, how's, it, how's it going? Good. You know that awkward, like, how do I break into this? And I'm like, hey, man, I just wanted to tell you, like, I'm sorry if I offended you. I want to ask for your forgiveness. And I kid you not, in that moment, I felt such a weight lifted off of me. And he's like, don't worry about it, man. Like, it's okay. Like, you know, we, we're going to be okay. Like, everything's going to work out, you know, this or that. And I'm like, okay, cool. And I go in, and, and, and sure enough, God's presence just fell in such a powerful way over me that day. And he spoke things that I think he was withholding to see what I was going to do in this area. There's unforgiveness in some of y'all's heart. And God is saying, I want to take you to, to places. I want to do more in your life. But this is blocking us right here. I still love you, but this is blocking us. And can I tell you that forgiveness is less about how the other person is going to respond and more about what's going to set you free? Because what we have in our minds is how, go ahead, yeah, that's right, amen. What we have in our heads is how is that person going to respond when I ask for them for forgiveness? That's not your job. Your job is to be obedient and just ask for forgiveness. It's what's going to set you free. So I want to close with this verse right here. It's in the book of Psalms. And it's one of those moments where David is just completely honest with God. 
Psalm 129, 23 through 24 says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there's any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way of everlasting. What David was saying here is, God, I know that transformation cannot happen until I'm fully transparent with you, God. So God, search me. And I want to take this moment to really allow you guys to search inside. I know that it's uncomfortable to have conversations like this. But God wants to set some of us free from racism. Let's be honest. God wants to set some of you free from sexism, where you can finally start serving your spouse the way they they were meant to be served. God wants to set some of us free from injustice. Don't get that person next to me, man. I don't want to catch what they have. That's not what God is saying. God wants to set some of us free and say, you know what? I want to see forgiveness in your heart and in your life because this has been holding you back for so long. I know that what they did to you was not right. I know that. I know that you could come up with a million reasons as to why not forgive them. But what I want most of all is to see my child free. 